Welcome to season two of the Growth Adventure Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Appel. I'm thrilled to be joined today by the president and CEO of the Children's Museum of Indianapolis, Jennifer Pace Robinson. Jennifer, welcome. Thank you, Andrew. Great to be here. Well, we are we are thrilled to have you. So uh, if you're listening in central Indiana, uh, if you don't know the Children's Museum, you apparently live under a rock, but uh, maybe in three or four sentences for people who aren't familiar with the world's largest children's museum. Could you maybe share a little bit with them? Sure. We are a giant facility that allows you to immerse yourself in the arts, sciences, and humanities. We're filled with these dynamic exhibits where you're going to learn a lot, but you're also going to be actively engaged. So we embrace this notion of family learning. We have as much here for young children as we do for adults. We also are a collecting organization. So you're going to see some pretty spectacular objects in addition to participating in hands-on activities. Thank you. As, as a parent of three children, I can assure you that I've been in the Children's Museum uh, more times than I can count on my fingers and toes. So with that, I, I, we will come back to the Children's Museum at the end, but I want to spend a little bit of time learning more about you and your own journey in leadership. So you've been at the Children's Museum since the 90s, is that correct? That's correct, since 1992. Okay. Well, it's amazing that you started when you were 10 years old, but could you maybe talk a little bit about, about your, your journey through the organization? Sure, sure. Um, I certainly did not know what job I wanted to do, but I knew the type of person I wanted to be. And I also knew what I was interested in. And so that was artifacts, uh, ancient history, but I also love Disney World. I love the idea of the Imagineers and how they created these these worlds where you could pretend that you went somewhere different and you were inspired. So I started out as an intern actually and worked in the programs area and put on festivals and events and really learned a lot about our public and, and how they interacted with the space and the people. I was very interested in, in children, worked with our neighborhood kids, ended up kind of getting roped into producing these overnight events because I think it was like, oh, Jennifer's here. She, she's up for anything. She'll do it. And it was really exciting. We would spend the night with kids and we would turn the lights off in exhibits. And I particularly remember doing one that was focused on Egypt, where we did tomb tours and just seeing how large the world became for the kids that participated really motivated me to try to figure out a career path. So I think 10 plus jobs later, I ended up in, in the vice president position. So a lot happened between working on the floor with the public and then ending up in a vice president role. But I will say it was always about the public and it was always about children and it was always about creating these phenomenal environments. And my dad will tell you that I'm doing the same thing that I did when I was little because I made these themed haunted houses in the basement and uh, would charge people to come in. And so it really has always been all about the experience. And I will have to say, I've always been somewhat of a reluctant leader. You know, I did not set out to be a boss or to be in a management position, but it was about organizing people and really trying to kind of pay attention to the people who, whose ideas weren't getting heard. And so that naturally kind of put me in a position of speaking for others and trying to get others to speak up that led to where I am today. Well, we will get back to the, the children and the visitor experience side, but since you kind of naturally led where I was heading, 
in 10 plus roles, you've probably had an opportunity to work for some people that have influenced your, your career development. And I guess, what have you learned along the way that has fused onto your own innate desire to speak for other people to get you to where you are today? I'm not sure if I articulated that. No, I, I totally understand what you're saying. So a big part of that is, um, being inspired by mentors who are also doers. I never had many bosses who were sitting behind a desk, but it was always very active and, you know, get up with me and come look at this new thing that has showed up at the dock or come with me and we're going to go meet this group of people who have this crazy, amazing airplane that we may want to do something with. So I took note of that and wanted to be an active participant in the work and not somebody who just sat behind a desk. So that was one thing. The other thing was um, having mentors who were really passionate and excited about other people and gave me the space to learn and do research. And whether that was studying ancient Egypt and then contemporary Egypt or learning more about how people in Greece live today under the shadow of the Acropolis, that there was always this space to, first of all, get excited about something and then kind of follow that lead and do the research and do the legwork, whether that meant traveling somewhere, whether that meant, you know, back in the day, going to the library and checking out a lot of books. But I always had that space with my supervisors and mentors to, to really learn. Um, and so that has shaped kind of what I call my my philosophy of hunting and gathering before you make decisions, but also before you kind of start giving out instructions or direction um, that we need to make the space for that creative and, and research capacity when you work in this sort of institution. And I, it's like we're mind melting here. I do want to come back to the creativity and the curiosity piece, because that's coming up a lot in this conversation, even thus far. But when you made the comment that you've always had the privilege of working for managers, mentors, bosses who are also doers. And that's also kind of how you see yourself. How do you balance that fine line between both being a doer, but respecting the space and the abilities of people that work for you that might are also obviously doers, but might not necessarily do it exactly the way that you would. Yeah. So that is a fine line. And I have, I have messed that up most certainly, you know, you go from, wanting to show the team that you're there and you're supportive, but it can come across a, as, hey, but maybe you don't think I can do the job. Why are you here? And so trying to be really clear with my intentions that, you know, I've come in because it's all hands on deck and I'm just part of the group that's doing, or I'm here to show my face, to show you that I'm interested in what you're doing, but I'm not going to do anything uh, unless you, you tell me what you need. So really trying to clarify with people. Um, I have spent many years trying to be a mind reader. Um, and actually, when I went back to school, I wanted to get a degree in, in mind reading. But they said the closest thing you can do is curriculum instruction and educational psychology. But really, the bottom line is trying to be clear in, in why you are showing up and in what role you're showing up. And also doing enough modeling so that when people do step into the role that you were doing, they've got a good base. But I will tell you, I've never been disappointed in how somebody has taken a job or a role and turned it into their own. I've always, you know, and, and I sometimes I think it's magic or it's luck, but some people say, no, actually, Jennifer, you made that happen, that you gave enough guidance and you gave a model that you gave people room to grow. And then you were excited, again, back to that passion and creativity about how they made it their own. 
so, you know, gosh, that's a lot of communication. You know, it certainly doesn't happen by keeping your mouth shut. And certainly I also call myself an emotional sponge. And so I take on a lot that I probably carry home with me that a lot of people don't know, but I am truly interested in what people are thinking and how they're feeling about the work they're doing and how they're getting, um, how they're getting intrinsically motivated to keep going forward. And I, I guess let's, let's touch on that here briefly before we get to the, uh, the curiosity and the creativity piece. What, what skills have you learned over the course of your career, knowing that we're always continuing, continuing to learn and grow? And, mm-hmm. you know, that comment really struck home with me that, you know, you, you bring home things with you that a lot of people don't know you bring. Like, what, what are some tools that you have learned that you'd like to share either with people who are working with you or for you or that you might be mentoring of? Like, how do you both maintain that professional passion, but also not let it consume you as a person. Okay. So that's something I'm still working on, right? Well, we so, are, we, we, we all are, right? I mean, we all you are, know, and, you're and never so there. It's, it's kind of like they say, you know, the things that make you successful can also be your faults. So in, in some ways, you know, what has made me the person that's been up for getting on an airplane and going and meeting somebody, or there's somebody who may have a reputation of being difficult and they're like, oh, have Jennifer go talk to that person. You know, that's made me successful. But at the same point, it is very hard to turn it off, you know? And so one of the biggest things is giving myself that same grace that I allow my staff, you know? And I try to stop for a minute and think if any of my other staff was carrying this sort of thing around, what advice would I give to them? And I would probably tell them to say, like, take it down a notch. I think I've actually used that, that exact phrase and trying to let the chips fall where they may a little bit more. Um, certainly has become easier the older I get because the capacity to try to think that you can uh, manage everything is, is, is certainly levels off with age, right? Um, but I kind of look at it as, you know, I've got two hands and they can carry only so much per day and some stuff is just going to have to fall through. And what are those things that are going to fall through? And, you know, when you look at balancing, I also look at where people have needs. Like my children don't have another mom to to carry their needs in. So I'm probably going to need to make room for my kids in those two hands in any given day. My staff have other outlets and other ways to solve problems. So how can I work on empowering them to seek that information and seek what they need in a way that doesn't always have to lead directly back to me? Um, And so it is about, at the end of the day, trying to do something to preserve a bubble around yourself so that you have that energy to go back in the next day as well. And I guess give give me and our listeners a sense of how many people are you responsible for at at the museum, knowing obviously you're responsible for all the visitors and families who who attend? Well, I'm still in a transition. So I'm still in the vice president of experience development role, and there's about gosh, nine people, nine directors over the, you know, kind of the key areas of our business and interpretation and exhibits. But then I'm also the new president and CEO. So I am now supervising all of the other vice presidents who used to be my colleagues. And I still think that we are definitely a team. And so that direct responsibility for kind of that core group of people who are really you know, it's in some ways it's it's not that hard because these are people who are super motivated. They're super creative. You kind of just point them in the right direction. But it the way I have 
led has been to be super involved in what people are doing. And so what I found myself doing a lot of right now is asking for clarification and also just taking the time to learn. You know, I came into this role, I sure don't know much about IIT systems. You know, back in the day, I was director of exhibits and AV. So if that ages me at all, <laughs> but now we've got a team that's IIT and I try to build some bridges. So, you know, I may not know about all these software systems, but I know what it's like to set up for an event or to plan for a sound and light show. So trying to find that common ground and starting place with language so that you can have some very thoughtful communications with those people that you feel responsible for. Oh, thank you. That's uh, actually leads leads neatly to, you know, you, you're holding two roles at the moment and you're stepping into the president and CEO role following a very long tenured and successful president and CEO in, in, in Jeff, I guess, what didn't, you know, stepping into it. And I, I would just be curious the conversations that maybe you and Jeff have had, or that you and the board have had that acknowledges that the role is the role, but the people are different. And it's not that the, the mission of the organization changes, but anytime a new leader is stepping into the shoes of somebody who's you know, been there for a while, I would imagine there has to be some sort of intentionality in that transition. Right. And, and that was a great thing is that I did have so much time with Jeff, you know, and even before there was any sort of transition plan that I worked so closely with him to kind of implement his vision. And so I think that was a big part of the board's decision is that um, they didn't want to start all over again. They didn't want to change what the museum is or how we do stuff. It was more about how do we continue and how do we learn and grow? And so I think that's where, again, that, that kind of accidental leadership or unintentional leadership, it's like, oh, there's, there's Jennifer, you know, she's there again. She's never left. So I think that has been super beneficial, you know, that I had the, the time and I also had the space to really make a lot of the systems that we're using right now. I worked on creating our exhibit development process, for example, when I was getting my master's and Dinosphere was the first project that we, we tried it out with. And now, of course, it's morphed and it's super sophisticated now. But having that opportunity to try things out and fail and refine before I came into this role uh, was a super eye opening. And so there's there's I can't say there's a lot that I didn't know other than the scope of being an emotional sponge has it's a bigger sponge now. Well, that's a good answer. And that actually leads neatly into one of the themes that you've kind of touched on multiple times in different answers is that whole concept of curiosity and creativity. And, you know, to a certain degree, yes, those are innate skills that some people are just more naturally curious than others, but it's also a muscle. So as you've, mm -hmm. you know, as your time has gotten squeezed either professionally or in your personal life, like how do you, I, I selfishly, I'd be curious what tools or things do you do to make sure that you always preserve that space to be curious, to be creative, to make sure that that's something that never leaves who you are? Yeah. And I think, you know, I am beyond lucky because it is part of my job, you know, looking and being on the, on the watch for what is being pulled out of the ocean and what new thing is going on at NASA. Those you know, don't always turn into anything, but oftentimes that leads to our next big experience, our next big project. And so 
So, so one thing is it's important to have somebody in your life who encourages you, lets you know that that's an important thing. And for me, it was my dad. So the minute that he saw that I was interested in archaeology, subscriptions and National Geographic came in the door. He's taking me to the Children's Museum every Sunday after church. He's encouraging me to look at the mummy because I was terrified to look at her. But, you know, that was somebody that was like, no, and, and, and he's, he sold insurance. But he was super interested in history too. So he pushed that in me. And then as I became a parent, you know, I saw what my kids were interested in. And so I'm like, okay, my dad's in the back of my mind and I want to do that for them. And it's like, the more you practice that, the more you see, that's how you see life. And that, and that's the lens that you walk through life. And you're like, I will never be able to go to another museum without looking at the paint color, how they laid things out. Uh, is there a new way that they've written a label? Wow, how did they get that property in the door? How'd they get that giant sea turtle? How do I get one? And so really it's, you know, I started small as a child and then you you grow and I don't, I'm not gonna say grow big. As my son used to say, let's grow to possibly medium. <laughs> and then we can worry about big and super and extraordinary down the road. The other thing I, I tell my staff is if we aren't excited about something, then then what's the point? You know, why would the visitor be excited about it if we weren't excited about our new exhibit lineup? And we're, we just announced that we're doing Scooby-Doo and like our social media channel just like blew up. <laughs> and that's because people are tapping into that excitement they had as a child watching Scooby and the gang trying to figure out who the bad guy is, you know? And so like, I, I love what you said about it being a muscle because it's pretty easy to be, to kind of get into this adult kind of mindset viewpoint and forget that joy of being a child. It's easier for those of us who walk in this building every day and we're like, oh yeah, that's the point. And so I think having people, you know, my husband encourages me. Like he's never said, oh, stop reading that book or let's not talk about that any longer. You know, I'm like, oh, I think I need to go to Canada and look at some dinosaur bones. And he's like, when are we going? <laughs> you know, surrounding your yourself with the people that encourage that make it a whole lot easier to make it part of your everyday life. Awesome. And I really appreciate the fact that uh, you gave a plug for insurance at your father. Uh, hey, yeah. there's nothing wrong with selling insurance. Insurance not. and risk management is what we do. And and yes, you can both be creative and curious in this job. So yeah. anyone that's did, interested, check out our jobs page. But uh, yeah, he, uh, he actually did uh, um, construction insurance. And so a big part of what I grew up on was construction sites, you know, yeah. and so yeah. I saw that whole world and ended up being a project manager here. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it's, it's all it's, it's, all intertwined. It's a, it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. It's a problem set. And it's figuring out how to put the pieces together to make sure everybody stays safe and secure. So on that, on that note, though, I'd be curious, since your background is kind of more on the experience side, and now obviously as president and CEO, you have total responsibility for the organization. As you were thinking through experiences, you know, whether it be, you know, an outdoor athletic experience or whether it be a new you know, immersive experience. How did you also think through how do we both allow, you know, three to 65 plus year olds to learn something and to engage, but also make sure that it's done in a safe manner? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I feel that the, you know, the project management part of what I've done really really helps set us all up for kind of that fiscal responsibility you, you know, where you're working, you may be coming up with these wild ideas for an exhibit or an experience, but 
you're working with a bigger team. You know, you're doing the safety and security checks. You're you're thinking through like how is a kid gonna hurt himself? How you know? So it's it's such a collaborative process that there's no way to separate that out. You know, we we like we just don't have people who are just creative thinkers who then worry about how somebody else will handle it. You know, that's what I love about working here is that, you know, when we are emotional sponges, we're thinking about how the person who's going to operate the experience is going to is going to answer a tough question, you know, and should we put that in a label? And is that material not only is it going to hold up to a bunch of little kids touching it, but is it going to have a, a sharp edge at some point? And so really it, it goes hand in hand. And so now it's just looking at that through a wider lens um, because I really focused on what happens once they walk through the door of an exhibit. And now it's looking at that from the minute they pull into our parking garage. Yeah. Well, la last question for me before we pivot to the lightning round, and this isn't like the like retrospective, this is what I did, but you know, at the point in time when you hand the roll off to the next president CEO, if your kids said one thing that they knew you accomplished, what would you hope it would be? Oh, such a hard question. I think there's something in there about caring about the people in the process. That's a great answer. And there's no wrong answer. So move, moving to the lightning round now, I'll ask you four questions. Uh, there are no wrong answers. They're just long answers. So uh, the first question is, what would we find on Jennifer's car radio? Oh, you know, I'm not listening to the radio, but I'm probably have my own playlist. Um, and definitely Gwen Stefani is on that somewhere. Uh, child of the 90s, way to go. <laughs> Uh, second question is, uh, what would we find on your bedside table or e-reader? Oh my gosh. So right now I'm reading a whole bunch of management books. So it doesn't sound exciting, but reading works from people who, you know, the new leader of Microsoft, for example, people that were trying to kind of tackle big problems and they really have broken it down in small ways. Like, and I'm also always a fan of any of the books about Disney the work of Lee Cockrell. He talks a lot about, you know, pushing decision making down to the bottom most level so that you can really make people feel successful. All right. And next question. And again, there are no wrong answers. Cats or dogs? Dogs. All right. And the last question of this one is a little bit more serious. Um, what is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given? Oh, gosh. I've had so many good pieces of advice. I would have to say it's something my mom used to say about, and it kind of goes back to the two hands that I mentioned, and you only have two hands to fill up. But she would also say, you can either be an earth person or a water person. And the water person lets things flow through and lets things work themselves out. And the earth person like holds tight and the earth gets packed and tight. And so whenever I get stressed out and I'm like, oh, am I being a water person or an earth person? And I really loved her outlook on life. And I, I won't say that she was artificially positive, but she was better able to kind of go through those hills and valleys. And I do think that that's because she was a water person. That's awesome. Earth person versus water person. I'm going to, I will shamelessly steal that from your mother. So thank you for sharing <laughs> that. 
Jennifer, it is, I've really enjoyed this conversation. You know, obviously it goes without saying as a parent and as a resident of central Indiana, the children's museum is, it is truly a treasure and it's a place that I'm thrilled that my kids are able to engage with again after too far out. And our, our podcast producer has made me promise not to use the pandemic word, but I will say that the one thing that our youngest child missed the most during the pandemic was that he can go to the Children's Museum. So sincerely wish you the best in the new role and as an organization. And uh, as we wrap up here, how would our listeners learn more about the Indianapolis Children's Museum? So go to our website, which is just childrensmuseum.org. And it's really comprehensive. We also have some really fun social media channels. So if you hit us up on any of those right now, we are launching each day. We've done a new exhibit that will be coming in 2022. So lots of fun stuff going on through those channels. Awesome. Well, Jennifer Pace Robinson, uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you and uh, we wish you and the Children's Museum the best. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Have a great day.